When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey y'all, Ryan Sprague here. As you all know, the Somewhere in the Skies podcast is always free to consume, but it isn't free to create. That's why I've started the Somewhere in the Skies Patreon campaign. On a monthly basis, you give what you think the show is worth. You'll be helping the show continue, grow, and to be something truly communal. And remember, there are rewards for each level of contribution, and the list is only growing. So please, help Somewhere in the Skies now by becoming a patron. To contribute and to learn more, visit www.patreon.com backslash somewhere skies. Thank you for your support. And now, on with the show. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode of Somewhere in the Skies are solely that of the guest and host, and do not reflect those of the E1 Podcast Network or of our sponsors. It's spirituality and inspiration and money and traffic jams. It's disaster and heroism and paperclips and knowing when to breathe. It's flirting and tasting and curiosity. It's fast and it's slow and it's rising and falling. It's every moment, every hope, every dream, every piece of the cosmic puzzle. It's life and it's yours. Scientology. Know yourself. No life. I mean, imagine if you were a Sea Org member, you grew up in Scientology, your parents are Sea Org members, you don't have a driver's license, you don't have a credit card, you have no bank account, you have no credit history. Where the hell would you go? It, you know that if you walked out the front door and, and never looked back, you physically could do it, but you would lose your entire family, you would lose all of your friends. If you were married and your wife was still there, she would ne- she, she would probably never speak to you again. You literally would be starting from scratch. And here you are, you know, a 30-year-old or 40-year-old person. I get why people don't leave because they're really scared to. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. I'm Ryan Sprague. Welcome to part two of our series, Breaking the Billion Dollar Year Contract of Scientology, with ex-member Joey Chait. In part one, we covered how Joey navigated his way up the ranks, having been born into this deeply disturbing religion. We talked about what he endured with his time in the Sea Org, the terrifying things he witnessed, and what finally prompted him to leave Scientology. But that was only half the story. If you haven't heard part one, I highly suggest listening to it before jumping in with us right now. In part two, Joy brings us on the wild ride of being sent to federal prison, testifying under oath 
about what he experienced in the Church of Scientology, the unfortunate consequences when he finally decided to leave the church completely, and then we dig deep into the church's mysterious new leader and answer listener questions. So, let's get to part two of Breaking the Billion-Year Contract of Scientology. This is part two of our Scientology two-part series here on Somewhere in the Skies. Joey, thank you for coming back with me, man. Absolutely. So we we sort of ended on a cliffhanger. When you started yes. working for your father at the gallery, yes. you had something really interesting happened that um that went far beyond Scientology and you ended up in federal court. So can yep, you did. can you tell <laughs> us how this all went down? Yeah, how this kind of led to you becoming both a convict and an SP, <laughs> an SP, which yes. you also have to explain to us. Yeah. Yes. What's this yes, whole yes, crazy yes. story? Yes. Um okay, so my my father has has always been an antique dealer for his for well for my entire life. His specialty is Asian art, so Chinese art, Japanese art, Korean, whatever it is. So he has an auction house. Well, the family has has an auction house in Beverly Hills that pretty much specializes in Chinese art. And then over the years and over the decades, every once in a while, we would get a um, a piece of ivory or something that at one point came from that came from an animal. You know, like a carved ivory, Chinese ivory carved something or other. And then so in 2011 or 2012, the federal government was doing an investigation into wildlife smuggling. And so they came into the gallery, I think it was like 2012 or 2013 when that happened, to see if there was anything that we were doing that was illegal. And there were a couple of things that I did that were that were incorrect like making a like making a false statement on a a customs form because we had a lot of people coming in and buying stuff from us in person but also people who were bidding on items in the auction that were coming from were from overseas so what the issue was with the government it wasn't it wasn't that we were selling the items you know that were made from ivory and rhinoceros horn and tortoiseshell and things like that but the fact that they were being exported out of the country without the proper permits for it. So the government was doing a uh, investigation and then uh, eventually after after many many years and many negotiations I ended up pleading guilty to uh, making a false or fictitious invoice on a customs form for an item that was part of an undercover operation from the Federal Department of the Fish and Wildlife Company. Wow, okay. Or, so, so basically what happened was is that a undercover agent from Fish and Wildlife came in, and it was a, a small carving of the uh, Asian goddess of mercy, and it was carved out of a rhinoceros horn. So she came in and said, oh, you know, this came from my grandmother's estate, and I want to consign it to the auction to, put, to potentially sell it. So I became the contact person. It eventually went to auction, and it was a beautiful item, so it garnered a lot of interest. But the problem was is that they sent another undercover agent to the auction to purchase it, a separate, a separate agent. So, the, of course, the price got shot up like crazy, and it ended up selling for a little over $200,000. And then <laughs> – so what happened was is that I um, – the buyer contacted me. And he was like, okay, great. I want to pay for the item and I need you to ship it for me. I said, great. Do you want us to ship it to your address in New Jersey or whatever the address was that we had on file? 
And he said, no, I want you to ship it to my client in China. And I said, no, we can't do that because it's illegal to export it without the proper permits. And I don't know the first thing about getting those permits. So then he said, okay, hold on, I'm going to call you right back. And then he calls me back the next day and he was like, can you ship it to a client of mine in Canada? And I said, again, I can't, but I'm happy to give you the name of a shipping company, because I don't know how to do any of those permits. So he says, okay, let me call you back. So then the next day, he calls me back a third time. And then he says, okay, how about this? How about you make me an invoice that says it's not made out of rhinoceros horn, but that it's made out of something else, like plastic or something. And you just ship it to me and I'll take care of it from there. And I said, okay, that that was the that was the kicker. That was it. That was that was the kicker. The jig so is then up. eventually <laughs> the jig is up. So then eventually I play guilty to that thing, obviously, and then I went before the judge for sentencing. And it doesn't matter what the case is, it doesn't matter what the situation is, anybody that comes in front of a judge to plead guilty to something and then get sentenced to something, the prosecutors write a sentencing brief that talks about the nature of the crime and the and what they believe is the proper punishment. In this case, they were asking for two and a half to three years in prison. My lawyer wrote up another sentencing brief in my defense talking about how, like, you know, I was born and raised in Scientology. I didn't have a proper education. I kind of was forced and coerced to go work for my dad and a whole other series of different circumstances that led, that ended up you know, leading me to be standing in front of a judge, which, by the way, you can go online. And if you just Google my name, the entire sentencing brief is is up online if anybody wants to read it. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and the thing that my my lawyer talked about in the sentencing brief was, is that, you know, my upbringing in Scientology and the physical abuse and the, the emotional abuse and, of course, the sexual abuse that I was was a victim of in Scientology. And the judge after reading both sides, he agreed with my lawyer. And he was like, yeah, this this part of Scientology played a huge part. And of course, I obviously made a huge, I made a mistake in doing it. And I apologized for it. And the judge recognized that as well. So he sentenced me to a sentence way lower than what the government was asking for. He sentenced me to a sentence of 12 months and one day. And the reason why he did the one day extra is because in the federal system, if you are sentenced to a prison term for more than a year, you get time off for good behavior. Mm. So I ended up spending eight and a half months in prison as opposed to the full year. Yeah. So, um, so that happened. <laughs> and then, uh, but of course, when that happened, I had publicly badmouthed Scientology, not just from the sentencing brief, but from what I said to the judge in front of in front of him under oath. I, yeah, under uh, under oath in a federal court, and I uh, I knew the consequences of that because when you speak publicly about Scientology in a negative way, you become what is called a suppressive person. So a suppressive person is the label that Scientology uses on people to indicate that they are evil. They uh, are are harmful to to Scientology and uh, basically anybody who wants to suppress or wants to keep other people down. In this case, they're they're saying that I publicly bash Scientology, and of course they're the most ethical group on the planet. Uh-huh. So therefore, I attack them. So then they label me a suppressive person, and then the consequences of that is that Scientologists are not allowed to talk to or be in any sort of relationship with anybody who's labeled a suppressive person. So my entire family is in Scientology. So 
they disconnected from me. And disconnected is the word that Scientology uses for uh, – it's basically like a religious shunning. Um, right. So – so they cut so they have to cut all ties with me. All of my friends that are still in Scientology, they stopped talking to me. They uh blocked me on Facebook and blocked me on social media. It was it was really weird too because shortly after the sentencing, I had like a month or two before I had to self-surrender to the to the federal prison. And word quite hadn't gotten out yet. My family was still talking to me and they pretended like everything was okay, but I could tell Something was going on in the background. They were just sort of waiting for me to go to prison. Uh, so then I went into prison, and then I did my eight—I I did my eight and a half months, which, by the way, was much easier than being in the Sea Org for four years. Um, <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's saying yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah, it is. And then, and and then, so when I got out of prison, you know, and I looked at my phone for the first because you don't have internet access in prison. I looked at my phone for the first time. You know, I had like, I don't know, 20 or 30 less friends and, and uh, a couple of people had emailed me and said, y- you know, dear Joey, I have to disconnect from you because you you uh, attacked my religion. And, y- you know, until you can until you confess your sins and get your shit together, basically, uh, I don't want to ha- ever have communication with you anymore. Wow. So, yeah. And, and if people who are su- uh, people who are suppressive persons, they can if they want to go back to Scientology and get back in their good graces, but they have to crawl back on their hands and knees and beg for forgiveness and admit that they did everything wrong and that the church is not responsible for anything that happened to them, which is never the case. But I will never crawl back to any of those fucking people ever again. Okay, so this mm-hmm. this was the point where you basically decided to leave the church, I would assume. That was it, yeah. Well, for for several years prior to that, I had been I I think we talked about it in the in the last episode where you know, it's sort of like it took years for me to slowly kind of, you know, kind of wake up and and right. realize you were like that, looking and, online and stuff. Right. It, yes, and that that all started in like 2005 or 2006 is when I started doing that. So then so by the time I had gotten to that point where I was standing in front of the judge, I had already been mentally out of Scientology for nearly a decade. I, I never said anything about it out loud because I didn't want to lose my family. So then at that point, I was like, you know what? What better time is now to like actually tell my truth and talk about how you know I grew up in this as a, as a, as a gay man in a homophobic religion and like you, you, you guys are not going to put me – in the same position ever again. I can talk about whatever I want. I can say, you know, whoever I want to, I, I can say what I want to who, to whomever I want. And there's nobody that can stop me. Yeah. And I'm so Mm -hmm. happy that like you are speaking out now and I I can't imagine it's easy with the whole disconnection thing. Now, uh, that's something Mm. the church still denies up until today. Am I correct? Yeah. Which is ridiculous because Hubbard wrote it. He, he specifically wrote it. He said, if you encounter a suppressive person, you have to A, handle them, or B, disconnect from them. I mean, it's in black and white. He says it very clearly. And he specifically says, it's like, if you have an SP, kick him out of the church. That's it. And the church enforces this. And the fact that they deny it, or the fact that they say, oh, no, it's blown out of, it's, it's like blown out of proportion or something like that. I hear stories every day. I still get phone calls and emails from people on a fairly regular basis. You know, kids that I went to school with and grew up with or perfect or perfect strangers who say they cannot 
they want to speak out against Scientology, but they're afraid to because they know if they do, they're going to lose their family. And I'm like, listen, I feel sorry for you because I was in that exact same position. And it's one of those things. It's it's almost like if you're gay and you're coming out of the closet, it's like you have to do it yourself. Right. I can't you know? do it for you. Yep. I can't. I can't. You know, and it's like people are going to do what they're going to do. And But again, I was in that same position for a very, very long time. So I know how they feel. But it's like until they actually speak out and until they actually speak their truth, they're never really going to be fully happy. Right. Yes. They're, yes. They're going to lose their parents. And, you know, some of them still work for their parents like I used to do. And some of them are going to lose their jobs and their and their livelihood. So I get it. I get why you why you can't say anything. But yeah, that's tough. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine for the people still suffering through that and going through that. And, you know, mm-hmm. I know. <sighs> The whole idea of the suppressive person, Joey, is another part of this, mm-hmm. and it's it's something that I got to ask you about with your parents, yeah. squirt yeah. busting. You knew I was going to ask about <laughs> this. Oh, my God. I so cannot believe. Your I cannot parents became, they, uh, they became a little little famous in Scientology and, and in the mainstream <laughs> media um, little bit. for doing what's called squirrel busting. Please tell me about what this is and uh, yes. what it is okay. and why it's used. So uh, another regular English word that Hubbard took and put a completely different meaning on it. The, de- <laughs> the definition of the word squirrel in Scientology is somebody that is using Scientology tech technology in a in a different way or using it without authorization. So like let's say that let's say that now I decide to audit you, Ryan, on some Scientology technology. That would make me a squirrel because I'm a suppressive person and I would be giving you auditing outside of the the authorized area of Scientology. Or if I was giving you Scientology auditing or teaching you Scientology things that were completely wrong, that's a squirrel. So a squirrel buster is somebody like my parents who goes to people who they know are squirrels and they try to call them out on their bullshit. So what they were doing is they were going after this guy who is a very well-known ex-Scientologist and ex here. Remember, his name is Marty Rathbun. Marty Rathbun was the number two guy in Scientology for a very long time. He was David Miscavige's right-hand man. And then he ended up leaving, oh, I don't know, maybe like 10 years ago or something like that. He ended up leaving the Church of Scientology and he became a an outspoken critic for a little while. And he ended up moving to Texas and doing his own Scientology thing basically means like he was being an auditor to other people outside the confines of the Church of Scientology. And the church didn't like that. So they sent people to his house, regular public Scientologists like my parents, they would send him to his house to basically just harass the shit out of him. And they had these little hats and t-shirts made that say squirrel busters on them. And they go, they, 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 they go to Marty Rathman's house with cameras and, you know, what are you doing, Marty? You're, 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 you're squirreling Scientology tech technology. And like, they would just literally go just to harass them. In fact, what they did was, is they bought the house or they rented the house across the street from where Marty lived. And they had, they had cameras pointing at his house 24 seven to monitor him. They followed him places. So the church, of course, found out that he was coming to Los Angeles, which by the way, they have Sea Org members that work for several different airlines as undercover operatives so that uh. they can keep track of 
so that they can keep track of people's uh, airline itineraries. That's creepy, man. <laughs> it's really creepy. So, so of course, the church knew, like, oh, Marty is coming to L.A. And they went to my parents and were like, hey, Izzy and Marianne, we want you to go to LAX and confront Marty. We want you to go and we want you to harass him. We want you to try to, like, make him feel sorry for the things that he's doing. We want to try to, like, do this. And, of course, Marty carries a camera with him everywhere he goes because he knows that he's going to get harassed. So Izzy Chait came up to have a conversation and he's, you know, pleading that he's just a guy who wants to have a straight conversation knowing our tri- flight reservations. And he thinks it's really cool. Do you think this is really cool? I'm not pleading. Do you think this I is really cool? Plead. Do you think this is really cool? It's, Izzy, who I know, cares? I know you who don't. Who cares? It's all fucking I bullshit. It's all bullshit. The bottom line is just, where are you going? The church is expanding like I'm crazy. I'm going to Texas, as you all okay. well know. Okay. What are you going to do there? So, why do you care? I always care. You know what they always say. You never know who the devil is unless you really know who the devil is. So what are you going to do in Texas? You know, you're walking down the losing path. No, no, I'm this just, is well, going to fade away. Because I see what I see. I have the wins that I... You go I'm to flag, you I see people having wins. I'm not doubting your wins. You can't you possibly be here. delivering it's anything like the wins that are available. Then don't show them. I'm not. Good, good. I'm not. I'm just surprised out of all the people. You're the only one that ever fooled my so the whole thing is on youtube and the whole thing is on video and i watched it while i was still technically in scientology but i was under the radar mm-hmm. i was flabbergasted i could not believe and it still boggles my mind to this day that people in scientology think that this actually does anything it just makes them look creepy and stupid. Yeah, there's so when many they videos go after people. now. Yeah, we've there's so many videos of them doing and this. It's, yeah, yeah, and it's like you guys, you're doing the opposite of what you should be doing. It makes the ch- it makes the Church of Scientology and it makes Scientologists themselves look like they're insane. One hundred. They need to stop. Yep. They need to stop doing it. But of course, Hubbard said, "Never defend, always attack." And that's what they're going off of. They're going off of Hubbard's writings because everything that he says is is the is the truth and there's no way you can alter it. Well, there you go. I mean, you got to hand it to them. They're sticking to... to they're to sticking to their guns. Quote, unquote, scripture. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yep. so another big question people have about Scientology is the money aspect. I've had... A, oh, yeah. A lot of my listeners were interested in that. So with your experience and knowledge, how how much does it really cost in this religion? Why is it so damn expensive from like what we've heard from members? And where does all that yeah. money go, Joey? Do you have any idea? Well, yes, I do. <laughs> uh, because I myself have donated a, a lot of money and my, and my parents have donated millions of dollars to this criminal organization. So money, money for them is the thing that makes the world go round. They have these big, giant, fancy buildings, you know, that they're renovating all over the world, which of course nobody's in. They're mostly empty because there's not very many Scientologists at the moment. Mm -hmm. A lot of them have left, but also Scientology is just the, the, the courses and the auditing are so expensive. And the reason why if you ask someone from Scientology, they will tell you, oh, well, you know, the reason why it's so expensive is because we need to make sure that the technology is kept 
exactly per Hubbard's orders and make sure that it's de- that it's delivered exactly the way it's supposed to be and stuff. And I get that. But when you look at the fact that Sea Org members are getting paid slave labor wages, they're getting paid 50 or 60 bucks a week. The the auditing has been there. The technology has been there for decades, yet they still publish. Oh, look, we we just discovered another book or we just discovered another lecture and they print out these really glossy fancy looking books and and uh, uh, lectures on CDs and things like that. So the majority of the money is going to, well, first of all, let me just add this first. The courses and the auditing themselves to get from the purification rundown, which is at the very first step on the bridge, mm-hmm. all the way up to the top of the bridge that they can deliver at the moment, which is OT8, costs about $250,000 total. <sighs> that's only That's only for the auditing and the courses that you need to take to, to get there. Yes, that is really, really expensive, but that does not include the donations, the, the, the voluntary donations that you have to make all the way up. For example, when you get to FLAG, when you get to the, 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 the spiritual headquarters that are located in Clearwater, Florida, let's say you just finished OT3 or OT4 at the big blue building, and you're like, oh, I want to go to FLAG to do OT5, 6, and 7. You get there, and you are pounced on from people who are trying to suck money out of you. They, they have so many different offshoot organizations that do various different, like, um, what they call social betterment ac- activities. They have the Way to Happiness Foundation that, that distributes uh, Hubbard's book called The Way to Happiness to places where there's a lot of violence. They have the, the World Institute of Scientology Enterprises, which uses Scientology uh, technology in businesses. Mm-hmm. They have the Association for Better Living and Education, which does like teaching poor kids how to read or stuff like that. So like there's all these things that you can donate to. They have the, um, the International Association of Scientologists, which is a membership that everybody is required to be a member of if you want to be a Scientologist. But they pressure you so hard to keep doing all these donations and just giving them more and more and more and more money. Eventually, to answer your question, all of the money ends up going straight to the top to where David Miscavige is. And it gets put into a giant – basically like a giant war chest because there's so many lawsuits against Scientology and they have to pay an enormous amount of money to lawyers and, 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 and people to, that can protect them from attacks and things like that. Right. Or what they think are are so called uh, um, attacks, and people who even the smaller churches of Scientology, they have to pay weekly fees that go all the way up to the top where David Miscavige is up at the top of the of the of the upper echelons, just just to use the Scientology technology. None of it is free for them either. Okay. So the parishioner comes in, the parishioner comes in and pays them money. A portion of that has to go up. So it's sort of like it just keeps going up the up the chain of up the chain of command. Eventually, it all ends up in David Miscavige's pocket. He gets the he's the only SEER member that gets the private jets. Mm-hmm. He's the only SEER member that that gets the multiple uh, houses and condos all over the world. He's the only SEER member that gets his suits, you know, that are tailored by like some of the most expensive tailors in in uh, Italy. You know, even though he's really even though he's really short and doesn't and doesn't require a lot of material, it's still expensive. Scientology has now come of age. And our footprint is massive. Moreover, our presence will soon grow even greater with still more ideal orgs. But let's not forget what powers Scientology is the one-on-one contact wherein a Scientologist 
touches that secret chamber in every human heart where freedom beckons. So if ever there was a time to call yourself a Scientologist in the most consummate sense of the word, ascending the bridge with resolute intention, supporting ideal orgs with equal resolution, and immersing yourselves in any of our sectors or campaigns, well, that time is now. Yeah, dude. I mean, this the whole story of David Miscavige, I read his father's book about him and like how he came to power and took over the the church and everything. That's a whole other story, which we won't get into. Yeah. But um, his own father, his own father says he's a piece of shit. And is spoken against you know, him. It's yeah, like, it's crazy. Yeah. At age 16, David Miscavige joins the Sea Org, the religious order of the church, and develops a close relationship with church founder L. Ron Hubbard. In 1986, when Hubbard dies, David takes control, taking the title chairman of the board. By this time, David's father, Ron, has also joined the Sea Org. Pretty quickly, Ron says he notices his son's sharp-edged new management style. David is backstage literally tearing me apart verbally for 55 minutes, cursing, yelling, screaming at me. One night at a church event in the late 1980s where Ron is performing, he says David gives him an extended tongue lashing with other people looking on. When he's screaming at you, do you ever think, I changed this guy's diapers? No kidding. Of course I did. Have you ever met Miscavige? I mean, I know you're like times. pretty far up there, really. Okay. What many, many, like? many times, yeah. Do you enjoy true stories of the supernatural from the people who experienced it? Well, then you might like my show, Jim Harold's Campfire. Hi, I'm Jim, and we've been doing the show since 2009. And we talk about ghosts, cryptic creatures, UFOs, head scratchers, you name it. And you tune in and you might hear a story like this one. And as he was driving home, he encountered a shadow person who seemed to be dressed like a monk. I know that sounds very strange, um, but it was a solid black form and it was wearing a hooded cloak tied at the waist with the cloak up and it had glowing red eyes. He sees this thing coming out of a really teeny abandoned cemetery. If you haven't tuned in, I hope you'll check us out. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are heard. It's Jim Harold's Campfire, and you can find it at jimherald.com. Thanks so much, and stay spooky. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping 
And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, this was back in the, like, the late 90s and the, and the early 2000s. Because of who my parents are, mm-hmm. he was very, very nice to me. He was very <laughs> nice to me. He's extremely... Um, like I said before, he's extremely short. He's very intense, but he has the type of personality that uh, when you're when you're talking to him, he makes you feel like you're the only person in the room. So I can see how he can be very, very charming. But then years later, I learned that he has a very violent side. Mm-hmm. I mean, he physically beat the shit out of uh, on multiple uh, occasions. I mean, just beat the living shit out of some of the other Scientology executives and stuff. And you would never know it unless you actually saw it. Because in person, when I met him, he was he's he's a very has a very intense glare and mm-hmm. stare to his eyes. So, Ugh. yeah, yeah, it's really really creepy. I, I've heard those testimonies from some of his higher ups about what he's done. So yeah, it's, yeah. I, I can't imagine you know where. That all is right now. But I did have a lot of listeners also ask, what are your theories about his wife? That's a other whole mysterious thing. Like no one's seen or heard from this woman in like 10 years or something. Shelly Miscavige. Well, my theory is that she's she's in the same position as anybody else in in the in the C organization that has gotten into severe ethics trouble. She's been kept under watch. She's probably at their secret base up at, I mean, the rumor is, is that um, she's being held up at the secret base in Twin Peaks, which is like way up in the San Bernardino Mountains here in Southern California. They have a secret base up there. Leah, I think Leah Remini and Mike, in sometime in their last season, they actually drove up there and you can just Google it and like look at and, and like look at pictures of it. Mm-hmm. But she's being held somewhere because she was the she was the queen of Scientology. If Dave was there at any event that I went to, Shelly was by his side and she was there talking to us and, and, and take and, and taking care of him. Like that was her full-time job was, was being his um, assistant. And then like Leah said many, many times, she just disappeared. She filed a missing persons report and then the police came back and they were like, this report is unfounded. So they, so we assumed that somebody talked to her, but again, it's like, People who say that, oh, you know, she's being held against her will and stuff like that. No, she's not. She is so brainwashed and she's so afraid of saying anything negative about David Miscavige or about about Scientology. Mm -hmm. If the police showed up and talked to her, she would say, what what the hell are you talking about? I'm not being held. I'm not being held against my will. I'm perfectly fine. It's the same thing like if the FBI or some government agency decided to do a raid on any on uh, any church of scientology where people are being held under watch they would do the same thing they the 99 of the people would be oh i'm not being held against my will i'm i'm here on my own volition you know this is my religion because that's what you're trained to do the the brainwashing and the mental conditioning that you go through you protect the church at above and beyond all costs church first individual second so I'm sure that that's where she is. I'm sure she's still completely brainwashed 
and she's really, really scared of of ever speaking out. She doesn't think she ever has a life outside of Scientology. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of people you know? don't, and that's why they're no. afraid to leave. And what I'm sure yeah. members tell them, like, what life will you have outside of this? You, right. You've never been educated outside of right. Scientology. You've never worked outside of the religion. Like, I assume right. that's terrifying. I mean, imagine if you were a Sea Org member working at, at the Gold Base, which is their international headquarters. It's in it's it's near uh, Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be a secret base, but of course, nothing uh, nothing is secret in Scientology. But imagine if you were a Sea Org member there. You grew up in Scientology. Your parents are 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 Sea Org members. You don't have a driver's license. You don't have a credit card. You have no you have no bank account. You have no credit history. Where the hell would you go? It, you know that if you walked out the front door and never and and never looked back, you physically could do it. But you would lose your entire family. You would lose all of your friends. If you were married and your wife was still there, she would not. She she would probably never speak to you again. You literally would be starting from scratch. And here you are, you know, a thirty year old or forty year old person, it, it, like just basically just starting out from scratch. I get why people don't leave because they're really scared to, mm-hmm. and they're scared of losing everything. Their entire life would be would would be a waste. Yeah. So I get it. I get it too. Yes, which yeah. is unfortunate that we get it. Oh, but, it's horrible! It's uh, horrible. All right. Well, on on a lighter note, Joey. Um, <laughs> okay. A pop band. Uh, what? Oh God! <laughs> what is this? Scientology had their own like in sync, as it were. <laughs> what is this all about? And you oh, were a member, Lord. right? Yes, yes, yes. I was. I, I'm <laughs> so, sorry, man. I'm putting you on, a, on <laughs> no, the spot. It's fine. No, it's so. Um, it, I won't make it, you sing. It, I promise. Thank you, please, because I can't sing very well. <laughs> <laughs> so there, uh, there is this group called um, Kids on Stage for a Better World. It was this group of young Scientology kids that could sing and dance. That it was sponsored by Celebrity Center. And when I was a kid. They got they got together a group of like maybe thirty or forty kids, and we sang songs, and we did dances, and we did performances, mostly at the celebrity center. But you know they would send us out into the community for you know like at the at the like they'd send us to the L.A. County Fair, or they would send us to you know places where they were having like big public gatherings, and we would sing songs that were mostly written by Scientologists. Particularly about different uh, 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 lessons or precepts that Hubbard had wrote, so it's just another Scientology front group to try to to try to put Scientology in the front line and make a safeguard for it. I guess you mm-hmm. know they have a lot of those things, but yeah, no, it was it was it was a very embarrassing time in my life. <laughs> hey man, we've all been there. <laughs> we all have that. We all have it. I yeah, used no, to make I, uh, home videos in my friend's basement of us being uh, WWF wrestlers. So, oh, yeah. that's awesome. We've though. all that's got so those cool. things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And unfortunately, a lot of those videos are still on YouTube. So. Oh, man. Yeah. I know what I'm doing after this. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Anyways. All right. Well, yeah. I won't I won't embarrass you too much with that one. Because, no, no, again, no. we all it's know fine. what that feels like. We all know. So, yeah, exactly. I guess um, 
kind of getting personal with you as an individual yeah. outside mm-hmm. of this religion, what would you say to anyone out there who might be considering Scientology or joining any other organization like this? What is like the <laughs> one thing you would say to them? I would say run as far away as you possibly can, <laughs> especially with Scientology, because it's like you're going to spend so much money. You're going to get sucked into this cult. It's just it's just not worth it. I get that everybody in life is always looking for, for something. Everybody wants the answers. They want to know the meaning of life. They want to know, you know, like the basic questions, like what is the meaning of life? What happens when I die? And religious questions like that, like is there a heaven or a hell or something like that? And that's something that I think that people can just figure it out on their own. If you want to study something about Scientology, do it for free on the internet. That's my biggest thing with Scientology. If you wanted to become a Catholic, you can go into any Catholic church or Protestant church or whatever you want to study. The materials are there. The Bible is free. You don't have to pay money to them. If you wanted to study about Judaism, go to a go to a temple or go to a synagogue and read the Torah. It's free. Scientology charges people for salvation. That's the biggest thing that drives me crazy. I mean, you know, outside of the physical abuse and the sexual abuse and the men, and the medical malpractice and all that other stuff. Right. But no, but, but, but the, it, it, it's the fact that they charge for it. That should be, that should be the thing that makes you go, okay, no, this is bullshit. That should be the red mm-hmm. flag. I totally, that should that. be the complete, the, the biggest one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So if you want to study Scientology, do it. You can do it for free. Everything is on the internet. You can go to a library even. I'm sure they have a couple older Scientology books that are still there. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows? So. I've, I've seen them everywhere. Elrond yeah. was everywhere. Um, everywhere. I know, yeah. it's crazy. Well, I mean, okay, so after going through this entire ordeal for, like, literally your entire life, Joy, where do you find yourself now in terms of, like, spiritual beliefs? I imagine that must have been a pretty uh, hard journey to find something new to believe in after all of this. I know. I know. Well, it's funny because um, – it's weird because with my upbringing, I was raised Jewish, but also in Scientology, which oh. is a which is a, which okay. is a really bizarre thing. My my grandparents on my dad's side, they were Orthodox Jews, you know. So i i had a I had a bar mitzvah. We used to have Passover meals every single year. We would go to temple for the high for the high holidays every single year. I've always had to do a little bit of both. The Judaism part of my life, we just sort of did it, you know, for the. For the sake of my grandparents and for the sake of tradition, but it's really funny too because when I was in prison, I became friends with a lot of the uh, a lot of the other Jewish inmates. There were about I don't know maybe ten or twelve of us, and every Friday night we would have a Shabbat dinner, which I thought was really interesting. It was actually kind of enjoyable. So I'm not going to go running back to a particular region and say like, oh, I'm like a full blown Jew now. But I think that spiritually, I'm at a place where I I know that I can be happy. And I know that I don't have all the answers, but I'm not going to go spending any more time looking for them because I've wasted far too much time with that already. Understandable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we struggle with our own problems in the Catholic Church, obviously. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, it's sort of, I, I get that, you know, like, just just do you. That's what I always tell everyone. Just do you. That's that's great advice. Yeah. And, and And I think that goes for most other religions, too, as far yep. as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Um, Well, I've got a couple listener questions here, Joey, before we kind of wrap things up, if you don't mind. Um, Sure. Cool. Sure, sure. Um, So Cameron asks, should we be afraid of Scientology or is it a dying religion? 
it definitely is a dying religion. Um, there's no reason to be afraid of it anymore. Their, uh, their numbers have dwindled down significantly. There's hardly anybody else that's, that considers themselves a Scientologist. And thanks to the internet, uh, yeah. you know, cause back in the, you know, eighties, uh, and even in the, and even in the early nineties, you only saw Scientology for what they called themselves or what they said about themselves. But now you can actually see the truth of it. There's so many YouTube videos where people talk with ex Scientologists and like videos of, of uh, people being chased and pe- and people doing the squirrel busting, as you said earlier. So yeah, no, there's nothing to be afraid of in Scientology. I mean, they might threaten to sue you or they might do this or they might do that, but they're not going to get very far anymore. Yeah. I, I've been threatened to be sued a few times now, so I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> at this point. Who cares? Uh, yeah. Who cares? Right. Uh, so Laura asks, at what moment did you feel freedom from all this? Uh, what did that feel like for you? That's a good question. Um, well, when I when when I became public with uh, the thing that happened in federal court, that was a very freeing moment for me because I was obviously really nervous about it because I knew what I knew what was going to happen. I knew that my family would disconnect from me, and I knew that I would lose most of my former Scientology friends. But at the same time, it's like it was sort of like a it it was sort of like turning over a new leaf for me, and it's still it. It's still very scary. I'm still, you know, learning to deal with the everyday struggles of life because I, I've never had to deal with that before. Mm-hmm. You know, on the one hand, I would always have my parents to fall back on, and I would also have Scientology to have as, a, you know, as like a source to try to keep me busy despite all of the security checking and stuff. I thought that it was the right thing to do at the time, but then once I realized it was all bullshit, speaking out about it and the thought of maybe helping other people that are in my same situation or were in my same situation, especially people who are LGBT in Scientology or any other cult, the feeling that I might be helping by speaking out is a huge comfort to me. Awesome. Huge, 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 huge. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I mean, you can't ask for more than that to hear that like you can come out on the other side as an LGBTQ um, from something like this. Like, yeah, I can imagine it's very inspiring for those maybe still trapped in it or um, those who, you know, Mm -hmm. even outside of Scientology just have not come out yet. So I I know that's that's great. It's great that you can find the positives in it for sure. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I talked to um, a person who's still I think it was a year ago or something like that. I talked to a person on Facebook who is still in Scientology, but but uh, is still in the in the closet as gay mm-hmm. and still in the in the closet as a as an anti Scientologist. And, and, you know, he's he was he was struggling. But, you know, he watched a YouTube video that I did about it about a year ago. And he said that that really helped. And he hopefully will come out on both aspects one of these days, but you know, we'll see. <laughs> we'll we'll see, see what happens. Okay. So Shefford asks, what is up with the underground vaults in New Mexico? What, what is this? Oh, what? Yes. So, uh, there's this thing called the, uh, that the, uh, church of Scientology does is called preservation of the tech project and tech means tech technology, like the, the writings and the scriptures and the, and the lectures of Scientology and Hubbard. So Hubbard instructed a long time ago that all of his writing and all of his lectures be preserved in case of a, a nuclear holocaust or in case the world gets hit by an asteroid or comes to an end. He wants the Scientology technology to be preserved for thousands and thousands of years. So over the last couple of decades, actually, they've been developing this um, this uh, preservation project where they take all of his writings – that are etched on titanium metal plates. The plates are then put inside of these titanium um, 
containers that are filled with argon gas and put and put into a, 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 a another airtight container. His lectures are uh, etched onto like nickel and copper records and also put into these containers and then they put them in these underground vaults. There's one in New Mexico. They did a piece on the on the preservation project that aired a couple of months ago on their Scientology TV network. So they're not hi- they're not hiding the fact that they're doing it. I'm sure if you went to YouTube and you know saw it, I'm, okay. I'm, I mean I'm I'm sure you would see it there. So basically, they have these underground vaults. There's one in New Mexico. There's one in uh, Arizona, I believe. But it's basically they are preparing for if the worst of the worst possibly happens and most of humanity is wiped out and. They want to make sure that Scientology's writings and Hubbard's words are available for someone to discover at a at some future date. And apparently, they said that it can like these 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 uh, tit- titanium cases and things can last up to five thousand years and mm-hmm. can su- and can survive a nuclear blast. I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but that's <laughs> that that's what that is. Interesting. That's, you know, I kind of get it, man. Like I'm, I'm old school. I, I still have all my CDs and DVDs. Cause I'm telling you this whole yeah. cloud thing is going to fall apart someday. I would not be surprised. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I would not so, be surprised. I totally get what they're going for, but why couldn't we do like Shakespeare or something? Right. Or something, something of actual importance. Like Martin I don't Luther get... King. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. It's just, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it, but again, Scientologists are that's where a lot of the money is going to. They base all of their all that stuff is all from donations. Oh my god. The parishioners have to give them millions and millions of dollars to buy the property, to get the technology to etch these writings on metal titanium plates and the staff to to live there and watch over it and store it all in the thing. It's like it's crazy. You know, the whole donations thing. I want to touch on that in a little bonus Patreon episode with you, if you don't mind, in just Ooh, a minute. But, I don't mind. Um, cool. So we're going to get to that with celebrities in Scientology. But I've got one more listener question for you. Okay, sure. Um, Kyle asks, what does this symbol of Scientology represent? I've actually never thought about that. Okay, so the symbol of Scientology is the two triangles with the S through it. Mm-hmm. The S obviously stands for Scientology, and the two triangles are basic – they're basic tenets of Scientology. The first triangle is called the ARC triangle, and the ARC stands for Affinity, Reality, and Communication. So the ARC triangle is a, is a very basic tenet of Scientology, and it's one of those things that Hubbard has written a lot of books and things about. and. It's very convoluted and complicated. I'm not going to go into it, but that's what that stands for. And then, and then the second triangle is the KRC triangle, which stands for knowledge, responsibility, and control. So the two, so the two triangles just represent like the two sort of basic uh, logics or the basic tenets of Scientology with that with, with the S through it. That's Got all. It. Yeah. Father, Son, Holy Spirit for me. Yeah. Yeah. Got exactly. It. Exactly. <laughs> um, let's see here. Okay. So. As I mentioned before, I met you at Coffee for Sasquatch in L.A. Yes. I always saw you writing away in the corner, man. So I remember you saying that you were you were working on a journal about all of your your experiences in Scientology. So can we expect to ever see any of this? You can. Um, 
I don't know when, but the, uh, what I was actually writing was is that while I was in prison, I had a lot of time on my hands. I can imagine. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I I uh, I read uh, I read a ton of books when I was in there. I exercised every single day. I lost like twenty twenty two pounds, I think, when I was in there. I had an amazing tan too because I was spending most of my time out on the running track or playing tennis and stuff like that. It's mm. weird because it sounds like I was at a retreat. But it, <laughs> It was it's still a federal prison, prison for you, yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was federal prison. You know, they had a, a tennis court and a volleyball court, and they had a, a, a tread tre, uh, treadmills and elliptical machines. So it wasn't, it wasn't like a like orange is the new black type of prison, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, but what I what so I wrote uh, a ton of journals while I was in prison, talking about you know, sort of like, like daily, daily life at a federal prison camp, but also talking about a lot of the experiences in Scientology. And just putting everything on paper. So when you saw me at Coffee for Sasquatch sitting in the corner, I was transcribing all of the journals that I had wrote and putting them into electronic form. Wow. And I so, never knew. I knew I never knew any of this about you. It's crazy. Yeah. So the so the it's I'm hoping that it's going to be a book. The book is written. Like I'm just like the 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 journal pages have all been transcribed. I am currently looking for a uh, a lit agent and a lit manager, and hopefully we will be able to get this book published. I'm hoping by next year, but we'll see. You know, yeah. we'll see what happens. Awesome, man! I I yeah. have a feeling. Trust me, I've been there. Yes, that's great. Yes. Though, again, just getting the word out there, and um, who knows who will read it and be inspired to either leave or never yes. join. That's the big thing. Yep, um, exactly. Well, exactly. in terms of like leaving, and you know the struggle of having been born into this and then leaving is there anything you miss or that you credit to scientology as like a good thing in your life anything that i miss i do miss some of the people there most of the most of the people that are still in scientology are are pretty terrible people um some of them are not though some of them are 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 truly victims like i was and um you know i miss some of the some of the friends that I've had for like a very long time. One of my uh, uh, closest friends that you know we we went to the same Scientology school. You know we known each other for like twenty years or twenty five years or something like that. And she just like like without even a question about it, as soon as someone called her and said, "Oh, Joey's been uh, de- declared a suppressive person," she was like, "Oh, that's it. I can't I can't talk to her anymore." Mm-hmm. You know, so for someone to turn like that on a dime, it was pretty is pretty heart wrenching. But I think that. I miss those uh, the the uh, the uh, people, and then to answer your other question, as far as any part of Scientology that's helped me, a lot of the beginning stuff in sci- in Scientology is Freudian psychology. Hubbard just put his own like little weird spin on it. So when I was a kid, I had a really I was very shy as a kid, and I had a little bit of a stammer, a little bit of a stutter. So I did the communications course, and the communication course I thought was really fun. Mm-hmm. I stopped. I mean, I still stutter a little bit, but it's way better than it was before. And it got rid of a little bit of my shyness. It got rid of a little, I got, I had a little bit of stage fright. And so in that aspect, it helped, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's it's the, it's the basic things. Once you start talking about Xenu and the OT levels and things like that, that's when it's like, okay, that, that, that doesn't help anything (laughs) at all. Got it. Muddies the waters. Mm -hmm. I'm very used to that in the UFO field as well, my friend. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Digging through, you know, the the noise to find the signal, as it were. That's kind of what we go with. Yeah. Yeah, Um, basically. Awesome. Well, Joey, dude, this was 
incredible. I can't thank you enough for sharing all of this with us. It's just been like fascinating to me to finally hear from someone who who made it out on the other side and yes. is willing to talk about it and is just a, a good person. Like you said, like oh, thank this, you. That's so sweet. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank I mean, you. like you said, this religion—it seems to find a lot of negative, bad people, or it makes them into those. But you were able to learn from all of that. And again, like it was such a pleasure meeting you, hearing your story. And if any of our listeners want to reach out to you, are you comfortable with giving any sort of like your socials or anything out? Yeah, yeah. Um, they can they can uh, find me on Facebook, or they can also just uh, email me if you want to give out my email address to them. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely do that. Okay, sure. Yeah, definitely. Cool. And then we're going to do a little bonus Patreon episode here to wrap things up. But before we go, Joey, thank you so, so much for joining oh, me at ab- Somewhere in the Sky. Absolutely. Absolutely. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for, for, for doing it with me. Thank you. That is it for this two-part series. But before I leave you, I just wanted to say that this wasn't an easy interview to conduct. I mean, Joey was great, and we joked around, and Joey is extremely personable and easy to talk to. But when I actually sat down and processed the interview while I was editing, I found myself feeling overwhelmed with anger and sadness. Not pity, but just sad. Joey lost his entire family from all this. He may never speak to any of them ever again. And all because of a fictional rule by a science fiction religion that says if you challenge the church, you are disconnected from it entirely. You're left alone in the world and thrown away to fend for yourself. Luckily, Joey was able to do that. But I'm sure there's just as many people out there who aren't that lucky. He was able to move on with his life, find new friends and new family, He found love and acceptance, and he came out a better person. But there are so many people still trapped in Scientology. And if any of them just happen to be listening tonight, I urge you, take the chance. Talk to someone. Get out of this as quick as you can. I know it can't be easy, but there are people out there willing to talk to you, just like Joey who can help you find family and community all over again in a brand new light. So when it comes to Scientology, we have heard tantalizing stories come out in the past decade or so, amplified by ex-members like Joey, coming forward to tell their stories. There have been documentaries, television shows, podcasts, YouTube channels, covering every aspect of this deeply flawed religion. And in a desperate attempt to keep this cult going, they have launched the Scientology TV Network, which streams 24-7, bringing us all into Scientology like never before. (sighs) It's clear that even after all of these stories, all the people destroyed mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, Scientology is not giving up anytime soon. But I hope that after hearing Joey's story and by looking between the lines of the propaganda and promises of a better life, people will wake up and realize that if you want spiritual freedom, it shouldn't come with a price tag. It should come from within. What frightens me even more is that I've seen similar cult-like tendencies within the UFO field as well. 
gurus and self-proclaimed leaders of enlightenment and disclosure, and completely fraudulent individuals claiming that they have all the answers to the UFO question and beyond. I've seen friends and colleagues head down a path of disorienting conspiracies and fantasy, and no matter what you tell them, they are so deeply entrenched and indoctrinated that getting them out seems impossible. But I urge you, if someone tells you they have all the answers you seek, and you need only follow them, their message, and give them all your money, please just run. Nobody has the answers to any of this. They probably never will. And the UFO field is better than that. You are better than that. We are all on our own personal journey in this life. And while we may hitch a ride every now and again with others in hopes of feeling a sense of belonging or community, just remember, communities help one another. They don't harm you or ask you to disconnect from the rest of the world like Scientology does. (sighs) Alright, enough of the preaching. Thank you again for listening to this series, and if you'd like to hear a very special bonus interview with Joey, be sure to join the Patreon campaign right now. We talk all about some very surprising members of Scientology you might not have known about, and so much more. Your patronage literally creates somewhere in the skies and keeps us going. So please, visit patreon.com slash somewhereskies to learn more, and to become a patron today. That's patreon.com slash somewhereskies. We're on Twitter at somewhereskies and Instagram at somewhereskiespod. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, or on your Android apps, or wherever and however you listen. All past episodes, articles, news, and contact information is at the official website, somewhereintheskies.com. Thank you, as always, to the E1 Podcast Network, HelloFresh, Rogue Planet, and especially to you for listening. I'll see you here next week, and remember, keep your feet on the ground, but never stop searching somewhere in the skies. Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. To learn more, visit entertainmentonepodcast.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.